Intelligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence. Today is our monthly Intelligence Masterclass, where we dig down into a specific area of email marketing to help you increase your results. The amount that we're able to do in the inbox is growing. And if we want to keep getting the best results from our email marketing, we need to understand how our audiences want to interact with email going forward and how we can make their journeys faster, easier, and more enjoyable. There is a wealth of emerging technical capabilities for email marketing that many companies are just scraping the surface of. So for this month's masterclass, I wanted to invite Jay Oram from Action Rocket to join me to talk all about interactive email. So following on from our last episode, all about interactive signups, now we're talking about how you can use interactive email design to surprise, delight, and engage your audiences, and of course, make it easier for them to convert. So Jay is part of the design and code solutions team at the email specialist agency, Action Rocket. In his role at Action Rocket, Jay is usually experimenting with new code for emails or finding that elusive rendering fix. So Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about Action Rocket and your role there. Okay. So Action Rocket is a small London-based agency. We work with loads of brands from small brands up to really large multinational kind of brands. Um, And really, we only focus on email. So we don't do anything else apart from email. And my role is to be the person that knows all about all those interactive code things. And I've got my head in all the new emails. And if I see something cool, I can share it with the team. And then working with our strategy team and our account managers, we kind of share all these cool new things with our clients. And we've worked up a rapport with them and worked out what they need and what their aims are. And if anything fits, then we just share that with them and work together with a a crew of really good designers we've got here to come up with the kind of interactive stuff. So day to day, I'm just uh, I'm coding soulless emails for uh, Pizza Express, for example. They're quite a large one that we work with that have quite a lot of interactivity. Um, and then as well as working on templates and our sister company, Taxi for Email, I work a lot on their side as well. I'm building their templates with syntax as well. So that's kind of my day to day. And then the odd Outlook's broken. How do we fix this kind of from anybody who contacts us and then we fix it? That's how it works. Excellent. So that's why I wanted to get you on the show. You know, you guys are a brilliant friend to us over here at eFocus Marketing and us, us email marketers have got to stick together. And from a design side, you guys are absolutely second to none. So I wanted to get you on to talk about interactive email. So Jay, let's start with the biggest buzzword, or should I say acronym, circling the internet at the moment when it comes to design, AMP. So Gmail's enabled it. Microsoft, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, has opened up a developer area for it in the last couple of weeks, but it's not widely available yet. I'm glad I got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, of course, in order to implement AMP or AMP, your ESP has to allow a third party MIME type. So alongside your HTML and your text only versions, you need that third MIME type for AMP, which most people haven't got in place yet in their ESPs. But I know it's coming in a lot of cases. So can you tell us a little bit more about AMP or AMP 
and what it means for email design in the future. Yeah, so AMP is uh, short for Accelerated Mobile Pages. So that is what uh, the open source project started with. And the whole idea was Google wanted to make the internet faster. They open sourced this project and then AMP made basically making mobile pages quicker. Um, so that's how it started. And then they've applied some of that uh, kind of framework to email. So it combines HTML and CSS but by attaching AMP-specific JavaScript, we can do some more interactive things. And the AMP-specific JavaScript that they've allowed in email is really secure, um, and they've tied it down so that there's no maliciousness can happen, which is why our JavaScript isn't allowed in other um, email clients. And then, yeah, they've kind of opened it up. And it was last March or May, I think, they launched it, and we kind of got a preview, and a few people started playing with it. And then... Yeah, and then it's kind of come along a little bit, a little bit more. So Gmail, it works in, but not on mobile apps just yet. They're kind of working on that. Um, Outlook, yeah, gave the developer preview, which we signed up to and started playing with. So um, basically, it's just a way of adding interactivity to all those clients that don't support as much CSS as um, the WebKit clients like Apple, iOS, that kind of thing. The older Androids, they all supported kind of checkbox and CSS hacks and things like that that we could really use, whereas Gmail and Outlook.com didn't. And then AMPs come along and they seem to have picked that up. And with Yahoo and uh, Mail.ru, which is a really large kind of Russian Easter kind of um, email client, there's potential that there was interactivity at the moment with CSS is about 50% of the email clients with those other ones signing up for AMP. That's another 50%. So that's potentially almost a hundred percent of emails could be interactive once AMP comes in. Um, but as we've kind of, as you've said, the ESPs that are supporting it at the moment are the smaller ones, which don't have as much, um, kind of large enterprise features. So things like Spark Post were the first ones to support it, and they've got some great documentation and loads of great support if you want to get involved with them. And then Amazon SES, which is like a standalone one, which you can load up. That's a small one. But the bigger ones where maybe there's more features like automation, so uh, Map, uh, Salesforce, those guys have kind of spoke about it but never said, yes, we're going to do it and haven't put a timeline on it because I guess there's so much to implement to get it to work. Um, and the thing that we've found when we're working with clients on what a proof of concept is or what, how could it work is as soon as we say, oh, you've got to do a, another email. So they've got their text version, like you said, they've got their HTML version. And then even if they want exactly the same as what's in the HTML version in the AMP email, we've got to make it again. So you're almost making the same email three times, um, which could be a, a cost implementation. Um, things are slightly different between the CSS and the AMP, so they're never going to be perfectly the same. So there's always going to be another design kind of situation. So that's all there for AMP, and it's really there ready to go. And um, we're literally just waiting on those bigger ESPs. And I really think that as soon as I don't know, as soon as someone like Salesforce says, right, we can do it, all of a sudden, um, there'll be a lot more people doing it. Um, if you want to like experience it now, then you can set up yourself on the Gmail uh, whitelist and you can send yourself AMP email so you can play with it and test it, but you can only send it to yourself. Um, and you can use tools like sendtest.email. They've set it up so you can put an AMP version in there. Um, and then... There's the AMP Playground on the developer preview, so you can go on the AMP website and put in your AMP email stuff and play with that. And then there's loads of people kind of practicing and like 
playing with it and getting it to work. So yeah, there's quite a lot out there to kind of get into right now. Um, and if you want to start, the easiest way is like Google it. And there's already a couple of articles on how to, I wrote one for email and acid. There's spark post. have got their own one and the AMP website itself. If you went on there and um, there's a, like a, a tutorial step-by-step step where you can just build your first AMP email. Um, and it's all, it's not, if you already use HTML and CSS, then it's not too far away. Um, and if you're a web developer, it's even easier because it works the same way as web rather than email. So yeah, if you work with email in tables and inline in styles and using important, which you can't use any of that in AMP, you've got to kind of change the way you work. Um, but yeah, it's all there. Um, so yeah, it's quite exciting. Um, and the proof of concepts that we've shown with the, the live feeds is kind of the big thing. So you can bring in data from products or a JSON feed or a jQuery feed or like one of those feeds that you can work with your web team to bring in. Um, you can kind of bring in live search results or you can send information through the email to the website and get something back almost like through an API. So you could ask a question and get the results in your email. So there's loads of bits like that, which automatically open up so much more to us as email developers. Um, and the proof of concepts we've had are, um, I built one, which was a feed from BBC Sport. So I got the BBC Sport uh, feed. Like, and then I did the Cricket World Cup. So every score from the Cricket World Cup was live in the one email. So I just kept reopening the same email to get the, the examples. Um, built an email preference center. So, you know, when you sign up to an email and it says, do you want it weekly, monthly, those kind of things. Um, I built one that was inside the email. So when you got it, you said, oh yeah, I love it weekly. So as soon as you sign up, you get that confirmation email and you can say, oh, I want that, that, and that rather than having to do another step. So all those stuff of AMP is kind of getting there. The controversy that we've had with AMP is that um, it means you've got a it's not controlled by Google because it's open source. So technically the community controls it, but Google is heavily invested in it because they've got it all in their search. And so, and because Gmail was the first adopter and some people have said, all oh, our AMP email is getting higher up in the inbox uh, than normal ones. And then you're kind of thinking, well, are they going to start playing with the natural order of email where you get the latest one at the top? Are they going to start putting their AMP ones further up? Um, so the pushback is like, what if Google takes over email and what if everything becomes AMP and then they say, <laughs> or they say, oh, let's add ads in. You can add ads by just adding this tag kind of thing, which makes it the same as the rest of the web. And do we want that kind of thing? Whereas it'd be much easier if Gmail and Outlook just supported the same CSS as everyone else. And then we wouldn't have another MIME type. We wouldn't have to worry about all of these other Google things. Um, but I mean, I'm excited to see it because I like to make cool stuff work in email, but I understand that obviously maybe you don't want ads in there and maybe you don't want Google controlling everything. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing. And without a big ESP taking it on, I just don't know when it's actually going to become a mainstream kind of email thing. But yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm so excited about the possibilities for it. So I think you've pulled up some really, really great points there. I mean, look, Google's taking over the world, right? What is there that Google doesn't own or control? Exactly, or? Yeah. <laughs> not, not a lot anymore. Whether you know it or not, Google is in almost every part of our lives. So I think we almost have to make our peace with that and get over it. Um, you know, we've seen this with Gmail before specifically where 
Gmail will bring out very specific features for them. Obviously, we've got the promotions tab. We've got all of the fantastic features that you now have in the promotions tab, which in itself makes email not more interactive in the inbox, but it brings it to life a little bit more in the inbox. And we'll we'll link to some of the articles about um, the different features in the promotions tab in the show notes for, for this episode as well, if anyone wants to find out more about that. But I think what we need to remember is that the way people are interacting with the internet and online and on devices is changing and has changed. Definitely over the last few years, we've seen massive changes in the way people are interacting online and what they want to do and the speed at which they're doing things and the ease at which they need to do it. So, Email has to catch up with that, whether it's through AMP or whether it's through something else. We need that technology to come into play that allows us to bring what we want to do in our strategy into our email design. And that's why I'm so excited about talking about all of this with you in the episode, because all of the things that we do here with our clients in terms of strategy link into all of this. I mean, I would love to be able to put in a strategy about having an interactive preference center right there in your email. It reduces the need to click through to a landing page to do exactly the same thing. So we're shortening the journey. We're making it easier. I love the example you gave about having the live cricket scores in one email and you just keep updating it. So you're going to start using email in a different way. And I think in terms of what people want and what they don't want, whether they want ads coming into there or not, we're going to have to do what we do with anything new that comes out and anything that we want to implement in email. We test it, right? And we see what our audience responds to. So the general public will be the ones who push forward with what makes in our best practice, what yeah. works, what doesn't work. Um, but like you said, primarily, if we don't have the tech support for it from the big ESPs, the ESPs that people are using, um, you know, and, and filtering down to, you know, the MailChimps who have the biggest market share, but perhaps have the smallest customers um, in terms of the majority of their database, but they are the biggest ESP out there. Um, until it starts to filter down through all of those different companies, we're not going to see the true potential of this because people can't access it. So I think that that's an absolutely critical point. But thank you so much for that amazing introduction <laughs> to, to AMP. That was brilliant. So how can we start with interactivity now? Whilst AMP is still building, whilst it's still gaining traction and gaining the ability to be used easily by people, what can we do right now to make our emails interactive? Is there anything that we can do with technology to bolt on or without it? What can we do? So with what you've got already, so just using HTML and CSS, we can already add uh, CSS hover effects. They're like the easiest thing to add. So if you've got a web design or a web website which uses something, when you hover over it, it changes color or um, something like that, then um, yeah, that that's already available in email. You've already got the chance to have hover. Um, and then if you add... If you add the CSS, it automatically, if it isn't supported, it just doesn't show. So you're not losing anything by not having something hover. Um, 
So that's already available. You can already do that. That's simple as adding a class with a hover um, attribute on it and then adding some CSS in there. So that's already a thing. You don't need to worry about that. Um, and then the next step is kind of adding... Um, I think the next easiest thing to add is a tap to reveal. So that's where you click on one thing and something else just appears behind it. And that is only, I think there's five lines of CSS to create that. And you just have one image show above another image and you can still use your table layout. You can still use, um, it still works on, uh, it works on all the WebKit clients and it works on a lot more clients than you would think. And then where it isn't supported, you can just show the fallback really simply without having to get really complicated with loads of CSS. And I'll Put those um, examples and share them on your notes afterwards as well, so people can just grab them and play with them. And then, and they're like two of the easiest things that you can create, where all of a sudden people are interacting with your email rather than just reading it passively. Um, and I think that's something that could be quite exciting. And it's something that um, with interactivity, one of the things that a lot of people worry about is adding loads of weight to an email that's not needed. So we've got this hundred kilobyte-ish limit for Gmail that we have to kind of keep below when you're developing. And it occasionally people think interactivity automatically adds just a load of stuff in there that you don't need or that means it's not going to work on Gmail so why would we add it that kind of thing whereas yeah those just adding some hover effects to some buttons or some links or um, something simple like that or an image when you hover over it it just swaps to another image then those things are not not massive in weight and you can add those straight away and automatically people can interact straight away with your email and they're already getting involved um, the main limitation that we find with interactivity is the only thing we can't do with email is track a person's mouse or whereabouts. So you know how on the internet, if you scroll down something and then something automatically pops up or moves, we can't see where someone's scrolling on email. Um, and we can't, um, if you've got like an iPad and you use one of those scratch card things on an, on the website and you scratch off something and it disappears exactly where your finger is, we can't track the, exactly where you are. So that's the only real limitation. Uh, apart from that, you can kind of go crazy. And th those simple things of just adding those hover effects, I think, is something that everyone should be doing, even if it just changed the color of your link. So when you scroll down and you move over some text, you can change it. So, yeah, those are the interactive, the small little bits of interactivity that you can add. And then you can just, like, build from there, really. Intelligence, Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Pick up a copy of Kate's book, Intelligence. Email marketing isn't dead the way you're using it is on Amazon now. Brilliant. So it's like when you include a, a GIF in your email, if the receiving email client doesn't support the animation, then it's going to default to the first frame. So you can have that default that it goes back to if it doesn't work. But if it does work, it catches people's attention. It gets them moving down as a design element to where you want them to be, which is clicking on that call to action and taking the next step. And it really starts to bring the email design to life, doesn't it? Yeah. And having those, having it specifically on those things that you want people to interact with, like the CTA, the call to action that's there, that's the thing you you want people to be drawn to so why not highlight it with some hover effects um, and the tap to reveal can really um, we found so and um, we used it as it's like an introduction to interactivity for clients that are unsure about interactivity of like well do we want to spend the extra time designing that extra bit do we want to add the extra 
CSS is maybe going to make it a bit more complicated. And we say, right, well, let's let's take a discount code, for example, and let's in one A-B test it, let's put the discount code straight out there without having to click to reveal it, and then let's put it out there with the click to reveal, and let's see which one performs better. And, and having that little bit of intrigue and that little bit of, oh, what happens if I click here? That seems to just tip people over to just clicking on it and interacting with it more. And using, um, we can track that by having a tracking pixel, which we can set off with a CSS background image. So when you click, the background image fires. And then when that fires, that says it's tracked. So you know how many people are clicking on that interactivity within your email. And then we can also hide a special link behind the interactive version, for example. And then you know that someone's clicked on that link rather than one that wasn't in the interactive version. So there's two different ways you can track it. And we found that that by sending it out, not maybe not just once, but if you do it kind of two or three times in a row, like every week they every week or every month they get a discount and they tap and reveal it, we find that having that tap to reveal is more productive than just having the discount code. So if they all automatically open it and go, oh, I wonder what it is and click on it, time after time they get that in their head that every time they get the email from your company, they're going to click on it and find a discount that kind of there's a positive psychology there. And then that kind of starts off the, oh, if that little bit of interactivity can add a little bit into our clients, then let's do a little bit more. And that's that tends to be how it grows. And it's something small that you can try, which with the code that I'll share, that it's so simple and it's really easy to implement that, yeah, anyone should be able to try it. That's fantastic. And I think that's a really good point there as well, is that when you test something, make sure you don't just test it once and take those results. Test it at least three times to give you a solid result over that time. Because especially when it's new elements like this, where consumers, people opening your email, haven't seen these things before, which in a lot of cases, they won't have done You've got to give them a chance to actually get used to it and start to interact with it and also explain properly in your email what they need to do because they won't know that they have to click to reveal or, you know, you need to make sure that you're really explaining that. So I think that that's a really great point out of that as well. And for obviously anyone who codes or, you know, is involved in the development of emails, you'll understand about CSS and the HTML. Um, but just for anyone who's not a coder, the CSS is the styling, the cascading style sheet that goes at the top of your code that basically cascades down throughout your code. And Jay, I'm sure you'll be able to describe this a lot better than I can. Um, but that informs, you know, the fonts, the sizes, the colors, the interactivity, you know, what happens when something changes between different versions of your email. It controls all of those kind of design elements. So it goes into your HTML, which is obviously your email code, code, the code that makes the images show, makes the fonts different, makes all of the placement of your emails. And it's all obviously locked in in tables as well. So kind of a, a very brief non-technical yeah, description yeah. of that. But <laughs> anyone who's a coder will know exactly what you're talking about. And if you're not a coder, then we are going to give you, um, as Jay has said, some of these pieces of code so that you can give this to your coders um, to put into your emails for you. So thank you for that, Jay. That's going to be really, really interesting for people. 
So you've mentioned a couple of different types of interactive email there, but what is the most common interactive email element that your clients are most likely to ask for at the moment? What are people loving right now and what's working? Yeah, it's the it's the slider, the kind of carousel, the the yeah, let's have something that just moves across the screen and we can show a bit more information in a more interesting way. That seems to be the most that's the thing we get asked for the most. And um, and then the tap to reveal is something that we do almost for every single client and they're seeing big wins from that just by having that kind of psychological happiness from clicking on something and it happening. Um, but the carousel, the slider, however, whatever you want to call it, where we create it so that you give, uh, you can either use arrows on either side or you can have little mini pictures underneath and you can click and scroll through them and you can have as many as you want, but the more you have, the bigger the email gets. So we kind of say like three to five is kind of like the good kind of size and then we the way we the way i code it anyway is that basically each slide or image is its own little piece of code and you can put whatever you want in there so if you want the first one to be an image and you want the second one to have some text in an image and you want the third one to have a gif in it then we give you the our clients the tools that they can put whatever they want in each one it's not locked down to just be an image or something like that um and that one seems to be the one that everyone asks for. That's the one that everyone's seen. Um, and the one that we add animation to and we add uh, clues that say click here or we have flashing arrows on either side so that you know that you're meant to click on it. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, we until you start doing interactive emails, the mm. people receiving them have probably not received one. And you need to make sure there's that clue of like click click on this thing and you won't just go to a link outside on a website because yeah that's what they're used to with email so yeah having that kind of click here tap here um find out here open this that's the kind of draw um and from the tap to reveal they've seen kind of 10 to 15 percent rise in use of uh, discount codes and click throughs on special offers and on carousels they've kind of seen a higher engage not engagement rate what's it called a dwell kind of time so you know how you've got a, a, there's quite a few trackers out there now that can tell how long someone's opened an email and by adding the carousel people are spending more time in the email and that that is if it, if that's a metric that you want to kind of chase and something that you want people to be more like look at your emails more then the carousel is definitely the one that keeps people in there and having a carousel in every email might not be the best idea and something that we always preach to our clients is that the only reason you should add interactivity if it definitely adds to your user's experience don't just throw in a carousel because you can um if there's something specific you want to show then go ahead and show it and yeah the slider is kind of the one that seems to be really nice it's it's really nice as a kind of um like a big thing at the top to kind of like here's a load of really cool images of our products or here's some new menu items or something like that that's something that's high up there or a lot of people do use it down the bottom of their email to show maybe some smaller things that you kind of need to get in the email instead of having a grid of like nine logos of clients that you've worked with or something you can just have a little carousel that's got a flick through of kind of four or five and that just sits at the bottom and it may be people don't click on it as much as you would think but it's still kind of getting that information in there and setting it out in a nice way and the good thing with the carousel is the fallback can be whatever you like so it can fall back on obviously the carousel is only supported kind of where the css is so webkit and ios and those kind of more more modern email clients the fallbacks to kind of outlook desktop and outlook.com that kind of thing 
and you can set up the fallback can be completely disjointed from the carousel it doesn't even have to be the same images it's just another bit of code so you can put whatever you like there so you could give a different experience to different subscribers with different email clients and it's up to you so yeah those are the ones that we're seeing a lot of and uh, we i built a specific tool to make a slider and you don't need any code experience to use that i used the the taxi guys did um like uh, i worked with them to create something and all you do is go in there and you click and you put your image and your image and then you press export and that gives you your code and then you can give it to your developers or whatever and, and just use it so that's a nice tool that kind of sets that up um, and we've got another tool which adds some hover effects and some tap to reveal stuff so we'll make sure i share all that in the notes for in the podcast as well um so they're the things that people want and that they seem to be working so yeah we, we keep going with it that's fantastic. So I think that kind of answers my my next question for you in that I was going to say, do you need special technology to do this? But obviously everything that we've just talked about is absolutely not. You've just got to know how to code it into the CSS in the right way. Make sure that you've got the defaults there. Basically have someone like you who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And the the every single time we do it and um, where i create something interactive and something that falls back it's always the same code so there's there's certain things we have to use to detect what kind of device you're on so we have to tell if you're using an, an iphone or if you're using a macbook or whatever um, and as soon as we can tell that then we can show you the best experience for your email client and that bit of code is always the same and that's the code that's in the slider tool so it's a bit of code that uh, if someone knows what they're doing like me they can pick it out and go right that's the bit i need and then you can just do whatever you want then and it's basically it gives you an area to put your interactive stuff and then an area to put your fallback stuff and you can put whatever you want in both of them um and yet yeah you don't need any technology and the a lot of the things that we do um i built a, a css only is it tic-tac-toe with a, a, the crosses and the noughts noughts and crosses, noughts and crosses. there you go <laughs> yeah that, that was an easy way to say it so i built a noughts and crosses game out of just css that works in email um, and two players can play it and you can click on it and get your x or your, or your cross and that's just css and that's uh, once you understand the simple css and the limitations that you can do with email then you can start building more things and a lot of a gamification is a nice thing that a lot of our brands really enjoy and that noughts and crosses game and um and we also built um the duck uh, it's like a duck shooting game so where the ducks are just moving across and then you like click on the duck and then once you click a duck the number changes and said oh you've got to hit two more and that so it's kind of we know it's all based on the css checkbox hack which um, I think Mark Robbins found a long time ago and Justin Koo has used a lot of to kind of create these interactive things. And once you understand the building blocks, it's really easy to create more and more things. And if you've got a designer who understands it as well, like the design, I'm, I'm less of a designer and more of a code person, but in Action Rocket, we've got the designers who can make stuff look really nice. And I think once you get someone who makes stuff really nice and someone that can build stuff, it kind of works together really well. Um, but yeah, you don't need that there. You can just like, just go ahead and play with it. That's all I do. It's fantastic. I absolutely love all of this. I think it is so exciting where we're going and connecting the data into what we're showing people, connecting the interactivity into what we're showing people. I love it. And I also love what you said about understanding what it is that you want from the email. So something that we talk to our clients a lot about is who are you sending your email to? What is it that you want them to do? 
how are you going to encourage them to do that? What do you need to make that happen? So you have to understand that each email that you send, each email that's in your strategy, you've got to plan it out and you've got to know why you're sending it. That is absolutely critical. If you know why you're sending the email, you can choose the most appropriate interactivity, the most appropriate data, the most appropriate information, tone of voice, special offer, all of those pieces to go into the email to target the right person with the right message at the right time, that classic trifecta of where we want to be with our messages. And all of this interactive design helps us to achieve what we need to get to a lot easier. So like you said, if one of the metrics that you're looking at and one of the things that you want to do is keep people in the email for longer to view more pieces of information, then that slider would be absolutely perfect for you. If you want to get people out of the email quickly through onto your landing page and get them to act on a call to action, you know, having that um, hover over interactivity would be perfect for you. I saw um, a blog recently on about a flashing button as well, which I absolutely love the look of. So all of these things are out there, but they're not going to work for you unless you understand the strategy behind them, who you're talking to, why you need it there to help get them to what you want to achieve. So start with your strategy and then use that interactivity to bring it to life. I think that is such an important takeaway from all of these ideas is you've got to have that understanding. Yep. No, I agree. That's that's always the starting point. And if someone comes to us and says, we really like this email because they've done this, we're like, wicked, that looks really cool. But like, why? Why have they done this? And why why do you want to use it? And then we can go from there. That's, that's definitely where to go. Perfect. So let's kind of start to wrap this up because we've got some really fantastic information there. So why should we be investing our time and money in adding these elements to our design? So it's kind of a little snippet takeaway. Why should we be investing our time and money around these kind of elements? Yeah, um, it it has been proven that having that interactivity just creates more. The, the thing that people do more with interactivity is open your emails because they want to see what you're going to do next. And then because you're bringing that quality content and the aim behind that email has been thought about, then all of that interactivity adds to the message and then more people click. And ultimately, that's like kind of the whole idea. We want people to open the emails because they want to see what we're doing next. And then they're going to open it because they want to see what offers in there or what a piece of information is going to bring them to click through. And interactivity just adds that little bit more kind of intrigue and a little bit more like psychology behind it that's like, wow, that's cool or I can't believe that that's happened in an email and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like doing something new and something surprising in email means that someone's probably going to open your next email. And even if you just do it to every single email, you're adding something new and something more exciting, then more people are going to open. And yeah, that's the kind of key to success. So I think that's why a lot of people do it. Brilliant. Link that into the strategy, create that intrigue, create that fun. Yep. I absolutely love it. So have you got any final kind of results that you can leave us with that are really going to solidify this for our audience as to why we should be thinking about it in our strategy and using it wisely? Any other results? So um, I mentioned before, like having a tap to reveal that that kind of disc, that intrigue has kind of seen that that click has been at, like that always the minimum it kind of goes up is 10% in the short term. So 
um, maybe over a long period of time, it doesn't stay as high, but having that tap to reveal kind of increases that click through to kind of up kind of 10%, which is quite a big big thing for most people and then another thing is the open rate so once someone is seeing that you're doing something then the open rate tends to go up more and more and more and we're kind of um we're seeing that when clients stop doing interactivity it slowly starts to drop and then all of a sudden they do another call email and then it's kind of starts eking up again and um, so yeah i mean i'll make sure that we've got the the notes of what exactly happened in the kind of the notes for this but yeah like the the Adding the interactivity definitely adds that kind of intrigue on open rate. And then lastly, the kind of dwell time or the time read in the email, and um, that's always about doubled when we've kind of added interactivity. And another thing that's kind of at, another thing which is hard to measure, but we see happening and is measured is kind of sharing of an email or sharing what's in an email, but not so kind of forwarding it to a friend or um, kind of sharing that view online link or taking a snapshot and putting it on social media when we've done games I mean specifically Pizza Express did a game and all of a sudden it was on Twitter and Facebook and things that people were they'd taken a screenshot of their score or something and then shared it which although it wasn't measurable from the email we kind of you could see the results from the that kind of thing so um yeah those kind of bits all add up to making a little bit better i think for your emails <laughs> and yeah and for the strategy of like yeah let's get more people interested in opening in our emails and that's definitely a, a, a bit of data that kind of definitely increases every single time perfect jay thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today i really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving us a masterclass in interactive email thank you so much no thank you uh, yeah i mean i'm a big fan of the podcast so when you said could you come on i was like yes definitely so yeah no yeah it's <laughs> awesome thank you very much brilliant thanks jay and for anyone else who is listening and watching please do make sure that you subscribe to our channel on youtube and that you find us on your local podcast client so we're on spotify we're on iTunes. We're all over the place. So please do, if you love this episode as much as I did, please do rate us on those channels and get in touch. Let us know what you want to hear about from future episodes. But for now, that's it for this week. And we'll see you in two weeks time for our next episode. Bye everyone. Intelligence, Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Head to our website for downloads and show notes, e-focusmarketing.com slash intelligence.